BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. So great to have you along on this Sunday morning. On the right is John Hancock. Morning. And on the left is Michael Kelly. Good morning. You guys heading out for a little spring training action. That's fantastic. Right. And I'm John Brown. All right, here's a rundown of the big stories of the week. A lot happened, so let's get to it right away. We have the running of the bees. Yes, Beto is in. Could Biden be next? Also, you down with AOC. She goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the CEO of Wells Fargo. How she did may all depend on your age and also bribe you. Big time college scandal. We're going to get to that in just a second, but we're going to start with impeachment. Nancy Pelosi says no, and some Democrats agree. What will be necessary to make an impeachment a bipartisan process would have to be extraordinarily uh, clear and compelling. Uh, I don't foreclose that the possibility that the Mueller investigation will produce that or that our own will. But I think the speaker is absolutely right. In its absence, an impeachment becomes uh, a partisan exercise uh, doomed for failure. Um, and I see little to be gained by putting the country through that kind of wrenching experience. As I've often remarked in the past, um, the only thing worse than putting the country through the trauma of an impeachment is putting the country through the trauma of a failed impeachment. All right, so is that validation for President Trump or a political ploy for 2020 or something else? You're up first on this. Well, I, it is a political ploy. They know that if they go through the charade of impeachment that it's going to blow up in their face. And uh, now they're going to have to rein in their extreme elements to, to hold that line. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen here, Brown. The Mueller report's going to come out someday. <laughs> uh, and it's going to show that there was no collusion between the Trump campaign and the agents of the Russian government. I am as sure as anything that that will be the case. When that happens, all of this going after the family that you're seeing right now in the House, uh, I think has a real propensity to blow up on the Democrats. And I, I don't know, they may end up helping this president politically. Uh, I, don't, I don't buy into that. We shall see. Uh, look, the, the, the Nancy Pelosi is the perfect person to be here because she remembers when the Republicans had a bogus impeachment that they went through and it blew up in their face. So there's no better person to be there right now. If the evidence isn't there that the man has a high crime or misdemeanor, then you can't impeach him. And it would, make, it would be a stupid political move, and it's not good for our country. Kudos to the leadership of the Democratic Party to not to be buckling to their extreme elements like we've seen the Republicans buckle on their side. It does say something that maybe she knows what's going to be in the Mueller report, like you said, and there's nothing impeachable there. So you knock down some expectations. So come 2020, the people say, why didn't you go for impeachment? then she can say, no, I said it was off the table anyway. Well, it does buy her some room, I think. Uh, yeah, it totally buys her some room. And I don't buy into John that, you know, he automatically knows what's going to be in the Mueller report. Oh, I do. Let's not forget that we have had seven, seven of the president's closest people indicted here. And to sit and say there's nothing here in this report when seven people have already gone to jail, maybe a little wishful thinking. As it relates to collusion, none of the indictments to date have anything whatsoever to do with the campaign, let alone collusion with the Russians. And uh, you're just not going to find that. Now, I think what's going to be really interesting in the Mueller report is stuff we probably will never see. 
uh, because there's a counterintelligence aspect to that. In fact, the primary mission of that special prosecutor was to get to the bottom of what Russia did, how they did it, and stop them from doing it in the future. That stuff will all be classified. Uh, we'll probably never see it, but I think that will be the meat and potatoes of the report when it finally comes out. This probably will be one of those reports with a lot of redactions, like that one that came out in the paper the other day where there was like one word well, was all that was left on an entire page. If we even get to see it, because yeah. really at the end of the day, it's up to the Attorney General whether or not we all get to see anything. All right, let's talk 2020 for a moment. The front runner on the Democratic side, who has not even entered the race, is about to. Joe Biden seems on the verge of a big announcement. He's told me that he is uh, all but certain he's going to run. Um, he hasn't made that last decision, uh, but as you heard in his remarks uh, to the firefighters convention uh, yesterday, um, he's feeling very optimistic about the prospects and is preparing for a run, but has not made that final decision. I expect that soon. Michael, he's in. I mean, let's be honest. He, the, what he said, he said, hey, save some of this energy for a couple of weeks. We all knew what that meant. He's yeah, I hope that's the case, but who knows? I mean, Joe Biden has had a tough life and has been through quite a bit. Um, it will be interesting to see whether or not he wouldn't get in. It sure seems all signs are pointing to him getting in. He'll clearly be the front runner, and the polling's going to show he'll beat Donald Trump. You know, it's funny, John. Right now, everybody likes Joe Biden, right? Both sides. Oh, yeah, he was a former politician. As soon as he gets back into the oh, yeah. race, yeah. it's going to get ugly on him. Yeah, again. yeah, you're always popular when you're irrelevant, and then once you inject back into the mainstream of the body politic, then they start hacking you and whooping you, and, and that will happen to Biden. And he does enter the race as a front runner which historically is a bad place to be, particularly on the Democratic side. And uh, somebody else is going to emerge. Maybe it's uh, our friend Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. Here's a guy who was a backbencher member of Congress. He's never done anything. He's never run anything in his life. We'll see if charisma alone can get you nominated for president. If that's the case, Brown, we could run you for president. <laughs> throw a little of that Brown charisma I'm like this guy. I use the same excuse this guy always uses. Uh, no, the closets are full. I don't need anybody looking into it. And, and I admit to a lot of that. By the way, a couple of things. Let's talk Beto O'Rourke here for a moment. Um, he's in the race as well. And he told, you know, you saw this backbencher. A lot of Democrats, I think, think he's a liberal guy. He's got a pretty moderate record from the way it seems. He said this past week, I'm a capitalist. Ooh. As I tweeted out, how in the world did that become, one, newsworthy, and two, controversial for a politician to say, I'm a capitalist? Well, there's definitely some divisions inside the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, there are folks inside the Democratic Party who will stand up to the extreme elements of our party. We haven't seen that on the Republican side. I Look, any of the people running for president of the United States with a D behind their name would be far better than the president we have. Having said that, maybe Beto O'Rourke might be that nominee. I don't know. I just find it curious that you can lose an election and that's your springboard for running for president. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a great of all of the of all of the white millionaire boy nannies out there, he's uh, he's going to break the glass ceiling, Brown. Uh, he'd be the first of his kind ever nominated. I, I really wow. wouldn't go after You're people who are entitled. When you've got a guy who got, oh, I just got a business four hundred million dollars from my dad to start it. It's a million, Do it like me. It's a million dollar loan, Kelly. A small uh, million. Uh, loan. Well, but there there were some tax adjustments. It appears on that as well. <laughs> Maybe. All right, let's talk about the president here. Got a bit of a rebuke this past week as some Republicans pushed back on his declaration of a national emergency for border wall funding. You said, so, so what, 12 Republicans? Is that the number we have here? Right, including and our own state uh, Senator Roy Blunt bucking the president. Does that surprise you, John, no. that Roy Blunt went to get, why is that? Well, this really is not so much about the situation at the border as it is about separation of powers, a fundamental constitutional, uh, Congress has the authority under the Constitution to appropriate funds. 
And, you know, there's been, we've been a long decades now where the legislative branch has ceded power to the executive branch. When the Democrats are in charge, we don't like it. And I think this was in many respects standing up on principle uh, to defend the, the constitutional framework that really is, has made this country unique in world history. Well, Roy Blunt's been in every office. He knows politics. He understands yeah. this. And, and I have to imagine that part of those 12 also were standing up and taking the president at his own words when he gave the declaration he was putting this in and saying, I really don't need to do this. This isn't an emergency. And I think a lot of people took him seriously on that because it's not an emergency. This is a made-up political play by the president. To me, this was always a slippery slope. If he goes this route, Democrats can use that as ammunition down the road and say, oh, guess what? Here's our national emergency. We want money. I mean, just think back to the nuclear option. Is that a good analogy there? Yeah, well, it gets to the heart of the separation of power. And this is a case where the legislative branch is saying we're not going to cede this authority. And I think they're right. Okay. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, the college admissions scandal it blew up this past week. It used to be all you had to do was write a check for a million dollars and have a building named after you and your kids get into college. Now we know it really happens behind the scenes, but should we be punishing the kids? So let's focus on the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, should Wells Fargo be held responsible for the damages incurred by climate change due to the financing of fossil fuels and, and these projects? I, I don't know how you'd calculate that, Congresswoman. Uh, say from spills or when we have to reinvest in infrastructure building seawalls from the uh, erosion of, um, from the erosion of infrastructure or cleanups, wildfires, et cetera? Related to that pipeline, I'm not aware that there's been any of what you described that's mm -hmm. occurred related to that How about to that um, the cleanups from the leaks of the Dakota Access Pipeline? I'm, I'm not aware of the leaks associated with the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, that you're describing. So hypothetically, if there was a leak from mm -hmm. the Dakota Access Pipeline, mm -hmm. uh, why shouldn't Wells Fargo pay for the cleanup of it if, since it paid for the construction of the pipeline itself? Because we don't operate the pipeline. We provide financing to the company that's operating the pipeline. Our responsibility is to ensure that at the time that we make that loan, that that, that customer, and we have a group of people in Wells Fargo, including an environmental oversight group headed by one of my colleagues who used to be at the EPA. Uh, so one question, why did Wells Fargo finance this pipeline when it was widely seen to be environmentally unstable? Uh, again, the reason that we were one of the 17 or 19 banks that financed that is because our team reviewed the environmental impact and we concluded that it was, it was a risk that we, we were willing to take. All right, so that was a little C-SPAN from this week. AOC going head-to-head -head with a titan of industry. We've talked a lot on the show about the importance of experience on the job. That was kind of a glaring example. She was being given notes and, but didn't know what she was talking about. Quite frankly, let's be honest. She didn't know what she was talking about. No. She went up against a CEO of a major company. Uh, that know, was not pretty. One economics course would go a long way for that gal, Brown. Uh, you know, this was a case, and also great evidence that parents don't have to give $2 million bribes to get your kids a college degree, because she got one somehow. Uh, that was embarrassing. That was just embarrassing. Well, it definitely wasn't her finest moment. I'll tell you who did a nice job was Mr. Sloan. He answered those questions. If you play out uh, her logic, the congresswoman's logic, then are the, the tradesmen who worked on that also responsible if there was a leak? I mean, I, I, I get the ultimate point that she wants to make on environmentalism. 
But to go after a bank that's funding a business, it, it didn't connect for me. You'll remember she was out there waving the flag because she kept 4,000 jobs out of her district, you know, <laughs> with Amazon. More than uh, that. Yeah. An economics degree, or just a course, just one course in economics would go a very, very long way. Well, I, just, okay. I, don't, I don't get how everything's got to be an insult these days. I guess it just but, well, the president's logic. Let's go back to what, what she had, what we've talked about here. You have people who get into these high-level jobs. Think of an Eric Greitens. I mean, he got into office, didn't really know how it all worked. Uh, Trump, we've talked about that. These are high-level positions. You can't have rookies going into these. You wouldn't hire somebody with her credentials to, to do your job or my job or your job or most other jobs. This is a dangerous John and I have spent two and three decades in politics. Uh, and four. <laughs> in that time, we've seen the evolution of people running on the idea that I have the experience. Roy Blunt, perfect example. I've been a person who's tested. I've gone through this. We're now electing people by saying, I have no compl idea what I'm about to go do, we want an outsider. and that makes me the most qualified. Yeah, yeah. Take a look and see how many campaigns run an experience counts message in the next campaign, Brown. There won't be many. <laughs> all right. Well, this week, one of the biggest college admission scams of all time unveiled. Lori Laughlin, Felicity Huffman are two of the bigger names that are now charged in the college bribery scandal. The two actresses among about 50 people busted by the Justice Department. Again, one of the biggest scams all of all time when it comes to college. Officials say it was a pay-for-play scheme where the rich paid to get their kids into these elite schools. And here's what they said about it. About December, every student admitted through fraud, an honest, genuinely talented student was rejected. I'm just glad to see, I'm glad to see there's finally some affirmative action for rich white families. <laughs> That their kids can get into the school of, come on, give me, this was bad. Oh, it's beyond bad, and, and kudos to the FBI for the work they've done here. It's incredible. Now, Hancock and I are both graduates at UMSL, and I, I know you probably had to get some strings pulled, as I did, to get in there. Uh, I mean, come on, this, uh, the, to think of the young person out there who worked so hard to be able to have that opportunity to get to go to that school who was left out so that some millionaire actress's daughter can get in. It's Who disgusting. didn't want to go. Right. That's what we found well, out. They and, don't even want to go. You know, and you're not doing your kids any Look, all of us want the best for our children. I mean, everybody wants their children to succeed, and we do anything we can to help them. But there, you do reach a point where you're doing a disservice to those kids, uh, because I think at the end of the day, this was a lot more about the ego of these actors than it was trying to better their children. Their children, you know, maybe they should send them to Umso, a perfectly good school. The best. Uh, I mean, they, they, got the, they got us out of there, Kelly. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, you can get a good education. Do you know most of the Fortune 500 CEOs, you know where they graduated from? The University of Wisconsin. There are 14 CEOs from the University of Wisconsin. You, you don't have to have an Ivy League degree to succeed in this life, and, and that's the lesson we ought to be teaching our kids. And it's kids. this mentality of entitlement that exists with rich people that, 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 that you're able to circumvent the process. I mean, this wasn't just actresses, folks. This, right. was, this was 50 people across yeah. the country, and it's no wonder that regular folks like ourselves think that the deck is stacked against you when you see this kind of evidence. There are so many angles to this story. I mean, first of all, were you surprised? Were you surprised something like this happens? I was, and I thought you just well, I donated you, a million bucks. Yeah, right. You get your building named after you and your kid automatically Well, there's, gets there you. are all kinds of ways right. to get into these That's elite schools, whether it's legacy families. Yeah. I mean, so I was surprised that somebody set up this scam. Uh, and a very elaborate scam to do this. It, mm. tells you, it tells you there's a lot of ego-driven people in the world. Okay, here's the final question on this. we got about a minute. Should the students be punished in this case? I don't know. That's a tough thing to say. I mean, students? The, 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 the students themselves, the, the kids. Look, the kids, their parents make parents. bad decisions. 
I, I really don't know. It Make them actually to be, take a test? Yeah, and it'd have to be a case-by-case -case basis. I think about the one gal who, whose parents paid $2 million to get her in there, the actress from Full House, and the daughter says on the first day of school on a video blog, I don't even want to be at school. So let's help her out. Yeah, well, if they, don't, if they don't belong in the school, they shouldn't be. If they didn't merit getting into that school, they shouldn't be in the school. Right. Uh, but they, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't bear the brunt of any, any criminal uh, penalty. Okay. Well, at least now we know the difference between a 17 on the ACT and a 35 on the ACT. It's about $75,000. Yeah. <laughs> if you can stroke a check for seventy five grand, your kid almost aced the ACT. Congratulations. <laughs> All right, coming up here on Hancock and Kelly, we're going to talk Prop P pushback. Some cities wanting to use that Prop P money for things other than raises for law enforcement. Prop P was back in the news this week, nearly a couple of years after it was passed. One councilman from South County wanted to use some of those Prop P funds for purposes that some voters don't think was appropriate. But this goes back to what we discussed before the vote on Prop P, though. One of the issues here was the wording. Some said it was too broad. Said the money could go to law enforcement and public safety. But what exactly is public safety? All right, you guys were intimately involved in this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on this money maybe being reallocated to you know, cleaning sidewalks or filling potholes? I think it's hogwash. I mean, Chief Belmar and Steve Stanger went out there and advocated for this while all those county councilmen kind of stood in the background. They pushed hard to do this. They said we were going to do this to get raises, to put two men uh, in cars, to have body cams, to be able to do true public safety. What's hard to understand about that? This was for cops. And to now see, I really think that what's going on at the, the, the county council is this hatred for Steve Stanger, which is blinding their ability to get jobs done. I get it. They may not like Steve. Many people disagree with them. This isn't about Steve. This is about our police and the intent that the voters had when they went to the ballot box. Well, and that's really at the, at the foundation of all this. The, the voters were told, rightly so, that this money was going to go for the police, precisely the things that Michael just outlined, two officers in a patrol car, body cameras, additional officers, raises for the officers. It was spelled out what the money was going to go for. I think politicians would err if they try and divert that money, if they think that's not going to blow back on them come election time, they're wrong. This passed not because the campaign was brilliant. It passed because people in this community respect our police officers. They want to help them, and they voted to do just that. My issue is always putting the word public safety in there, because we had talked about it on this show. It was so broad that, and I even made the point back then, somebody's going to try and find a way to use this money. Once it's allocated to the municipalities, they'll find a way well, to classify it as public the safety. The Department of Public Safety is the police. I mean, yeah, you can bastardize any definition in any bill you want to, but there's no, it's, there's no gray area. Public safety is police. And thank goodness that the cops are being a watchdog on this. They've gotten the media there to put a spotlight on these politicians who are trying to play games with their raises. The people of St. Louis County and St. Louis City knew full well what they were voting for. And kudos to them and the media for putting the spotlight on what these politicians were trying to do. All right, here's a story that's not getting too much attention right now, but starting to make some ripples around the country. A lawmaker from Southwest Missouri sponsoring a bill that would allow high schools to offer an elective course on the Bible. Representative Ben Baker from Neosho is the man behind the bill. He says the Bible is just a way of life, thinks it's a good addition to the curriculum. But even some religious leaders in Missouri say, mm -mm, not so sure about this one. A pastor at Second Baptist in Jeff City told the House Committee that the government should stay out of Bible teachings. John Hancock, you're up first on this one. I don't have a big problem with this. There, as an elective, I don't think you should ever require a course. But look, if, there, if there's a more important 
work of literature in human history than the Bible. Well, to many uh, I'd people, be hard the Quran pressed, and the Torah are those. And as well. I'd be totally fine teaching those uh, as an elective. And heck, when I was in high school, Brown, they offered a class called Cars and Sports. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, honest to goodness. And so as an elective to study, you know, if you want to look at the Old Testament, the history that's contained in there, the, the extremely important parts of, of humanity that's contained in that, I got no problem with that at all. Well, I, I wouldn't support it, but if he were to take the amendment of the Quran and the Torah being taught at the same level, in the same environment, to the same people, maybe I'd consider it. But at the end of the day, we have a separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. If you want to learn the Bible on a daily basis, go to a Catholic or a religious school. Show up at Sunday and study the Bible. Do it at home. We teach You're there it. to get reading, writing, and arithmetic. We teach it in public universities as a course. I mean, it, it, look, this is, an, this is the most dominating part of, Ameri of, of, of literature in the history of the world, and why should we not be allowed to, to learn it? And I don't know, if you want to teach other religious texts too, great. I think it would create a well-rounded education. Then people know what's in the Torah. Then yeah. People know, I, yeah. Well, the Torah I is the first I, five books of the Old well, Testament. But, uh, we, when we a lot of the other education right, to start right. with, guys, we were going to have a separation of church and state, and it's this constant push, and it's not to get all religions looked at, John. You know as well as I do, whoever this is introduced this in Jefferson City could care less about the Torah, the Quran, and other great biblical-type uh, uh, pieces of literature. This is all about pushing a religious agenda from Christians, and it's not right. And I'm a Christian. It, it's right. And, uh, and we should... I've got no problem with this whatsoever. And parents have that, and the kids have that. If you don't want to take the class, don't take the class. It's an elective. By the way, I was the only guy in a class of 35 women at home ec. I know. Smart thinking. They laughed at me and said I was... How does your crust? Do you get it flaky? <laughs> I don't even remember the glass. I just remember being the guy. <laughs> All right, we're going to have final thoughts straight ahead here on Hancock and Kelly. I'm not that dumb, really. John Hancock has a long final thought. It's not that long. Okay. All right. So you go first. You're I'm going right. to go first because I want to hear about sports and cars or cars <laughs> and sports uh, from his... Hey, look, all three of us are taking a vacation next week. We're not going to be on. Uh, John's going for a much-needed rest with his family down on the beach. Hancock and Kelly are going to check out those Cardinals. You can hear us every day on KMOX from 8.30 to 11. We'll keep you updated on what's going on. All right. Well, you know, we're talking about all these parenting things out there and parents trying to pay their kids away. When my kids were little brown, I got a speeding ticket in one of our fine municipalities okay. out here, and I thought, I'm going to teach my kids a lesson. I took them to traffic court. Made them sit through the whole night. I said, see how miserable this is, kids? This is why you drive the speed limit. You know, I'm teaching a valuable lesson to my children. Finally, an hour and a half, they say, John Hancock, I go forward. The municipal judge looks up and says, Hancock, what are you doing here? Here, call me in the morning. We'll take care of this. That's the lesson I taught my kids right there. <laughs> Traffic court. That's how you got a nomsel, too. Do your kids still talk to you or no? <laughs> I do. That was a valuable yeah. lesson. It's good parenting out That's there. That's right. He's right. a fine driver, let me yeah. tell you. Wow. Not a good driver. Yeah. All right, be careful in Florida if you're down there. <laughs> He's Kelly's driving. All right. <laughs> Thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. If you miss any part of the show, download it there on your smartphone. Just search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you in two weeks right here on Fox 2.